Section 8 of Modern Magic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Modern Magic, a practical treatise on the art of conjuring by Professor Lewis Hoffman. Tricks involving sleight of hand or the use of specially prepared cards, part 2. To name any number of cards in succession without seeing them. First method. This trick in its original form is so well known that it is really not worth performing. But we describe it for the sake of completeness and for the better comprehension of the improved method. The performer takes the pack and secretly notices the bottom card. He then announces that he will name all the cards of the pack in succession without seeing them. Holding the pack behind him for an instant, he turns the top card face outwards on the top of the pack. Then holding the pack with the bottom card towards the audience, he names that card. From the position in which he holds the pack, the top card, which he has turned, is towards him and in full view. Again placing his hands behind him, he transfers the last named to the bottom, and turns the next, and so on in like manner. Even in an audience of half a dozen only, it is very likely that there will be some one acquainted with this form of the trick, who will proclaim aloud his knowledge of how it is done. We will suppose that you have performed the trick with this result. Passing your hands again behind you, but this time merely passing the top card to the bottom, without turning any other card, you reply that you doubt his pretended knowledge, and name the card as before. He will naturally justify his assertion by explaining the mode of performing the trick. You reply, according to your theory, there should be an exposed card at each end of the pack. Pray observe that there is nothing of the kind in this case. Here you show the opposite side of the pack. But to give a still more conclusive proof, I will for the future keep the whole of the pack behind me and name each card before I bring it forward. Perhaps to preclude any idea of arrangement of the cards, someone will kindly shuffle them. When the cards are returned, you give them a slight additional shuffle yourself, and remarking, They are pretty well shuffled now, I think, continue the trick by the second method. Glance as before at the bottom card, place the cards behind you, and name the card you have just seen. Passing the right hand behind you, palm the top card, and then taking hold of the bottom card, the one you have just named, face outwards, with the two first fingers and thumb of the same hand, bring it forward and throw it on the table. Pause for a moment before you throw it down, as if asking the company to verify the correctness of your assertion, and glance secretly at the card which is curled up in your palm. Again place your hands behind you, call the name of the card you last palmed, and palm another. You can, of course, continue the trick as long as you please, each time naming the card which you palmed at the last call. You should take care to have a tolerably wide space between yourself and your audience, in which case, with a very little management on your part, there is little fear of their discovering the secret of the palmed card. You should not be in too great a hurry to name the card you have just seen, or the audience may suspect that you gained your knowledge in the act of bringing forward the card you last named. To negative this idea, you should take care first to bring forward again the right hand, manifestly empty, and do your best to simulate thought and mental exertion before naming the next card. 
To make four cards change from eights to twos, from black to red, etc. For this trick you require three specially prepared cards. The backs should be similar to those of the pack which you have in ordinary use, the faces being as depicted in figure 36. They may be purchased at any of the conjuring depots. You place these three cards privately at the bottom of the pack. You begin by remarking that you will show the company a good trick with the four eights and the two of diamonds. If you use a piquet pack, you must provide yourself with a special two of diamonds of similar pattern to the rest of the pack. You take the pack, and picking out the four genuine eights, hand them for examination. While they are being inspected, you insert the little finger of your left hand between the three bottom cards, the prepared cards, and the rest of the pack. When the eights are returned, you place them with apparent carelessness on the top of the pack, taking care, however, to have the eight of clubs uppermost, and hand the two of diamonds for examination. While this card is being examined, you make the pass to bring the three prepared cards to the top. The two of diamonds being returned, you lay it on the table, and taking off the top four cards, which are now the three prepared cards, and the eight of clubs, you spread them fan-wise, when they will appear to be the four eights, as in figure thirty-seven. The eight of clubs is alone completely visible, one half of each of the cards being covered by the card next preceding it. The spectators naturally take the four cards to be the four ordinary eights which they have just examined. Insert the two of diamonds behind the eight of clubs, and lay that card in turn on the table. Close the cards, and again spread them, but this time with the opposite ends outward, when they will appear to be the four twos, as in figure thirty-eight. Again take in the eight of clubs in place of the two of diamonds, and turn round the supposed two of hearts. This you may do easily and naturally by remarking, I must now touch something black, my coat-sleeve will do. I gently pass either card along it, thus, and replace it as before. The cards are now all black cards, which they actually appear to be. See figure 39. Again substitute the two of diamonds for the eight of clubs, touch any red object, and again turn and spread out the cards, when they will appear to be all red cards, as in figure 40. Once more take in the eight of clubs in place of the two of diamonds, and replace the four cards on the pack, again making the pass in order to bring the three prepared cards to the bottom, and to leave the genuine eights on the top. There is a more elaborate form of this trick procurable at the conjuring depots, in which several groups of cards are used in succession, and the changes are proportionately multiplied various colors and patterns being produced in the place of the ordinary figures on the cards. In our own opinion, the trick loses rather than gains by this great elaboration, as the more fanciful changes have the disadvantage of showing clearly, which the simpler form of the trick does not, that the cards used are not ordinary cards. And this being once understood, the magic of the trick is destroyed. We have had occasion more than once to direct you to turn round the cards, and it will be well for you to know how to do this neatly and without exciting suspicion. Hold the four cards fanwise in the left hand, the fingers behind and the thumb in front of the cards. Having exhibited them, turn their faces towards yourself, and with the thumb and finger of the right hand close the fan, and taking them by their upper ends lay them face downwards on the table. Their lower ends will now be away from you 
and when you desire again to exhibit the cards in a transformed condition, you have only to turn them over sideways, and pick them up by the ends which are now directed towards you. This little artifice, which is simplicity itself in practice, though a little difficult to describe, must be carefully studied, as upon neat manipulation in this respect the illusion of the trick mainly depends. A card having been drawn, and returned, and the pack shuffled, to make it appear at such number as the company choose. Invite a person to draw a card. Spread out the pack that he may replace it, and slip your little finger above it. Make the pass in order to bring the chosen card to the top. Palm it, and offer the pack to be shuffled. When the pack is returned to you, replace the chosen card on the top, and make the first of the false shuffles above described, but commence by sliding off into the right hand the two top cards, instead of the top card only, so that the chosen card may after the shuffle be last but one from the bottom. Take the pack face downwards in the left hand, and carelessly move about the pack so that the bottom card may be full in view of the audience. Inquire at what number the company would like the card to appear, and when they have made their decision, hold the pack face downwards, and with the first and second fingers of the right hand, draw away the cards from the bottom one by one, throwing each on the table face upwards, and counting aloud, one, two, three, and so on. The first card which you draw is naturally the bottom one, and the chosen card, which is second, would in the ordinary course come next. But you draw back this card with the third finger of the left hand, and take the next instead, continuing in like manner, until you have reached one short of the number at which the card is to appear. You now pause, and say, The next card should be the card you drew. To avoid any mistake, will you kindly say beforehand what it was, at the same time placing the card face downwards on the table. When the card is named, you request the drawer, or some other person, to turn it up when it is found to be the right one. Another Method the card having been drawn and replaced, bring it to the top by the pass, palm it, have the pack shuffled, and replace it on the top. Invite the audience to choose at what number it shall appear. They choose, we will suppose, fifth. Very good, you reply. Permit me in the first place to show you that it is not there already. Deal out the first five cards, face downwards, and show that the fifth is not the chosen card. Replace the five cards in their present order on the pack when the card will be at the number named. Several persons having each drawn and returned a card, to make each card appear at such number in the pack as the drawer chooses. Allow three or four persons each to draw a card. When all have drawn, make the pass in such manner as to bring the two halves of the pack face to face. The pack should not, however, be equally divided. The upper portion should only consist of about half a dozen cards, and therefore in making the pass you should insert the finger only at that number of cards from the bottom. Receive back the drawn cards on the top of the pack, ruffling the cards, and saying, Pass, as each card is replaced. You may casually remark, Your card has vanished. Did you see it go? When all are returned, you quickly turn over the pack and taking off the top card, say, addressing yourself to the person who last returned a card, you see your card has vanished, as I told you. At what number in the pack, say, from the first to the tenth, would you like it to reappear? We will suppose the answer to be 
the sixth. You deal five cards from the end of the pack that is now uppermost. Then, pretending a momentary hesitation, say, I fancy I dealt two cards for one. Allow me to count them again. This draws the general attention to the cards on the table, and gives you the opportunity to again turn over the pack. You continue, after counting. We have five. This makes six. Then this should be your card. Will you say what the card was? You place the card on the table, face downwards, and do not turn it till it is named, this giving you the opportunity to again turn over the pack, to be ready to repeat the operation with the next card. You must be careful to invite the different persons to call for their cards in the reverse order to that in which they are replaced in the pack. Thus you first address the person who last returned his card, and then the last but one, and so on. You must tax your ingenuity for devices to take off the attention of the spectators from the pack at the moment when it is necessary to turn it over. And as each repetition of the process increases the chance of detection, it is well not to allow more than three or four cards to be drawn. If you have reason to fear that the cards left undealt will run short, you may always replace any number of those already dealt upon the reverse end of the pack to that at which the chosen cards are. THE THREE-CARD TRICK This well-known trick has long been banished from the repertoire of the conjurer, and is now used only by the itinerant sharpers who infest race-courses and country fairs. We insert the explanation of it in this place as exemplifying one form of sleight of hand, and also as a useful warning to the unwary. In its primary form, the trick is only an illusion of the well-known fact that the hand can move quicker than the eye can follow. It is performed with three cards, a court card and two plain cards. The operator holds them face downwards, one between the second finger and thumb of the left hand, and the other two, of which the court card is one, one between the first finger and thumb, and the other between the second finger and thumb of the right hand, the latter being the outermost. Bringing the hands quickly together and then quickly apart, he drops the three cards in succession, and challenges the bystanders to say which is the court card. If the movement is quickly made, it is almost impossible, even for the keenest eye, to decide with certainty whether the upper or lower card falls first from the hand, and consequently which of the three cards, as they lie, is the court card. This is the whole of the trick, if fairly performed, and so far it would be a fair subject for betting, though the chances would be much against the person guessing. But another element is introduced by the swindling fraternity, which ensures the discomfiture of the unwary speculator. The operator is aided by three or four confederates, or bonnets, whose business it is to start the betting, and who, of course, are allowed to win. After this has gone on for a little time, and a sufficient ring of spectators has been got together, the operator makes use of some plausible pretext to look aside from the cards for a moment. While he does so, one of the confederates, with a wink at the bystanders, slyly bends up one corner of the court card, ostensibly as a means of recognition. The performer takes up the cards without apparently noticing the trick that has been played upon him, but secretly that corner of the card being concealed by the third and fourth fingers of the right hand, straightens the bent corner, and at the same moment bends in like manner the corresponding corner of the other card in the same hand. He then throws down the cards as before. The bent corner is plainly visible, 
and the spectators, who do not suspect the change that has been made, are fully persuaded that the card so bent, and no other, is the court card. Speculating, as they imagine, on a certainty, they are easily induced to bet that they will discover the court card, and they naturally name the one with the bent corner. When the card is turned, they find, to their disgust, that they have been duped, and that the dishonest advantage which they imagined they had obtained over the dealer was in reality a device for their confusion. To nail a chosen card to the wall. Procure a sharp drawing-pin, and place it point upwards on the table, mantelpiece, or any other place where it will not attract the notice of the spectators, and yet be so close to you that you can cover it with your hand without exciting suspicion. Ask any person to draw a card. When he returns it to the pack, make the pass to bring it to the top, palm it, and immediately offer the pack to be shuffled. While this is being done, place your right hand carelessly over the pin, so as to bring the center of the card as near as possible over it, and then press gently on the card, so as to make the point of the pin just penetrate it. When the pack is returned, place the palmed card upon the top, and thus press home the pin, which will project about a quarter of an inch through the back of the card. Request the audience to indicate any point upon the woodwork of the apartment at which they would like the chosen card to appear, and when the spot is selected, stand at two or three feet distance, and fling the cards, backs foremost, heavily against it, doing your best to make them strike as flat as possible, when the other cards will fall to the ground, but the selected one will remain firmly pinned to the woodwork. Some little practice will be necessary before you can make certain of throwing the pack so as to strike in the right position. Until you can be quite sure of doing this, it is better to be content with merely striking the pack against the selected spot. The result is the same, though the effect is less surprising than when the cards are actually thrown from the hand. THE INSEPARABLE SEVENS Place secretly beforehand three of the four eights at the bottom of the pack. The fourth eight, which is not wanted for the trick, being left in whatever position it may happen to occupy. The suit of this fourth eight must be borne in mind, for a reason which will presently appear. Now select openly the four sevens from the pack, and spread them on the table. While the company are examining them, privately slip the little finger of the left hand immediately above the three eights at the bottom, so as to be in readiness to make the pass. Gather up the four sevens, and place them on the top of the pack, taking care that the seven of the same suit as the fourth eight is uppermost. Make a few remarks as to the affectionate disposition of the four sevens, which, however far apart they are placed in the pack, will always come together, and watch your opportunity to make the pass, so as to bring the three eights, originally at the bottom, to the top. If you are sufficiently expert, you may make the pass at the very instant that you place the four sevens on the top of the pack, but unless you are very adroit, it is better to bide your time and make it an instant later when the attention of the audience is less attracted to your hands. You then continue, I shall now take these sevens, you can see for yourselves that I have not removed them, and place them in different parts of the pack. At the words, you can see for yourselves, etc., you take off the four top cards and show them fan-wise. In reality, three of them are eights, but the fourth and foremost card being actually a seven, and the eighth pip of each of the other cards being concealed by the card before it, and the audience having, as they imagine, already seen the same cards spread out fairly upon the table, 
there is nothing to suggest a doubt that they are actually the sevens. You will now see the reason why it is necessary to place uppermost the seven of the same suit as the absent eight. If you had not done so, the seven in question would have been of the same suit as one or the other of the three sham sevens, and the audience, knowing that there could not be two sevens of the same suit, would at once see through the trick. Again folding up the four cards, you insert the top one a little above the bottom of the pack, the second a little higher, the third a little higher still, and the fourth, which is a genuine seven, upon the top of the pack. The four sevens, which are apparently so well distributed throughout the pack, are really together on the top, and you have only to make the pass, or, if you prefer it, simply cut the cards to cause them to be found together in the center of the pack. End of section 8